As we come to the end of our trot through the journey to the Force Awakens line, the last nugget of pre-episode 7 goodness is Greg Rucker's highly anticipated four-issue miniseries, Shattered Empire. Welcome to Canon Catch-Up from the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. Hello there and welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. This is a canon catch-up episode and we are back 2024 uh, to kick off 2024's canon catch-up. You've got your favourite shit boys, Dan and Chris, with you today. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. <laughs> oh, no one knows why we're laughing, but we're giggling away. Um, okay, so... This is this is SW Book Collector. I'm Vader's Castle Library. The reason we're here is because we've got a nice comic book trade paperback to talk about, and that is our area of specialty, is it not, Chris? We do like our comics, don't we, Dan? We do, we do. And as we said at the top, this episode we're going to be talking about Shattered Empire, the four-issue miniseries, which is also part of the Journey to the Force Awakens line. I think now on Canon Catch-Up, we've covered all the Journey to the Force Awakens stuff, because the next episode is the Force Awakens novelization. Uh, so we've done it. We've, yeah. we've, we've journeyed to Force Our Awakens. Our Force has been awakened. We've been awakened. Um, so yeah, it was a four-issue miniseries published between the 9th of September and the 21st of October 2015. So it was it was fortnightly issues uh the trade paperback was collected in november 17th 2015 uh it was written by greg rucker legend art was by marco cicetto angel unzieta and emilio liezo um i think how did it work chris did cicetto do two of the issues and then the other two did one each so cicetto or cicetto i don't know how you pronounce it did issue one and four yeah, yeah, and the other guys did two and three. Yeah. Um, so brief summary, and then we'll kick it off. Shattered Empire tells the story of the events that follow the end of Return of the Jedi through the eyes of Rebel pilot Shara Bay. Um, My Bay. Your Bay. So, first of all, Chris, how does this one fare against the other comic book miniseries of this era? I really love this one. Yeah. This is, um, you know how we always say, oh, it's a really good story. It's not canon shattering. This is canon shattering. Yeah. Things happen in this which directly inform, like, the the post-Jedi world. Mm-hmm. It's been mentioned. Things happen in this that are mentioned in The Mandalorian, yep. the sequels. It's not what you'd expected. I know that when it came out, it got a bit of a negative reaction because if you ever looked at the trade paperback cover, which I believe was the first issue cover as well, it's a lovely shot of all the main gang post post uh, Jedi Death Star, you know, on Endor celebrating. Beautiful Phil Noto cover. And so you think, oh great, this is this is the story of what they did afterwards, and it isn't. The the main got Luke, Leia, Han, they're featured in, in there, even heavily, you could say, but it's not their story. So I couldn't understand why people were annoyed when it came out. But now we're removed from those expectations. It's a f- damn good one. Yeah, we're nine years on. Well, eight years on, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I really like this one. Um, I <clears throat> read this first four or five years ago. 
and actually haven't picked up since. But when I knew we were doing this, I ordered the lovely paperback, um, trade paperback that Chris was talking about with a nice Phil Noto art on the front. Um, and I just read it again today and it's really good. I think when you remove expectation from this one, it is genuinely just a good story that tells you what happened after Return of the Jedi in a really fun and interesting way. And I know we're going to go into this a lot throughout the episode, but the artwork is so good as well. Yeah, I mean, the if we're speaking about the art, I'm a huge Marco Cucato fan. Huge. Um, and if uh, for people listening, if you, you think, oh, who's that guy? If you've ever read uh, The Screaming Citadel, the first issue of that is by him. This was one of his more famous ones. Captain Phasma is by him. Obi-Wan and Anakin is by him. Now, if you know anything about comics, you're like, all of those are gorgeous. Yes, they are, because he's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. ish- and you, To the point where issue two and three, the art in those is really good, but you can tell the difference. Like, especially in the faces. Because they have a bit, they have a little bit of LaRocca face in issue, <laughs> two and th- in issue two and three. Whereas when you get to issue one and four, gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way he draws Han and um, Luke, Luke as well. Yeah. That's like, my, this is my favorite, I think this is my favorite printed version of Luke. Yeah. As man. brief as his appearance is. Yeah, he makes Luke look like a handsome bastard, doesn't he? Yeah, he makes Luke look handsome, but he make he gives him this kind of like legendary mythic quality while he's still retaining the character of Luke. Yeah, yeah, like sort he's of still fresh faced and fresh faced. He's still yeah. the earnest boy we know. It's still Luke. He's not the the well fucking dull version of Luke from Shadows of the Sith. You know, <laughs> no, he is though, mate. Read that book again. <laughs> Luke Skywalker is so boring in that book. If it wasn't for Lando, that would be like a slog to get through. <laughs> um, so yeah, to get us back on track, <laughs> um, how do you feel about this one as a post-episode six story? Do we learn a lot of canon information from this? Because just bear in mind that this is essentially just a year on from the canon reset happening. Yeah. If you go by characters, no. It if you if you for the characters, no. It doesn't build anything really, other than the fact is you see them. Um, well, yeah, yeah, but from a law perspective, the original trilogy characters. Yeah, yeah from a law perspective, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, do you mind if I go into it? Go into it, mate. So this is where Operation Cinder comes from. Mm-hmm. It's this comic miniseries. Now, more people than you'd expect recognize Operation Cinder. Because I've spoken to lots of people that are big Star Wars fans, and I'll mention things from the books all the time, like the contingency from Aftermath, and then and they look at me blank, blankly. But I mention Operation Cinder, and they're like, oh, because it was heavily featured in Battlefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people play video games. Um, and not only that, but this that game directly lifts scenes from this book. Because yeah. yeah. in the campaign, you have that moment in the game where you see... Without any context, you don't really know what's going on. Leia, Shara Bay, and the Queen of Naboo fighting against the Star Destroyer with three Naboo starfighters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that story is from this book. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, that's from Battlefront. No, this was first. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it has that whole Operation Cinder 
post empire the the famous um emperor empire's messenger the emperor's messenger it's like a mm-hmm. robot with the the face of the em- the emperor on it with his like dying wishes like programmed into him that's all from this and that stuff is still informing things now like we feed it was featured in i think the alphabet squadron book the messenger was um the mandalorian mentioned operation cinder yeah i mean to 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 even to the extent i noticed when i read this in the mandalorian they reference operation cinder and they represent uh, they reference the planet burning con don't they yeah and that's one of the planets that they mentioned that the rebellion have been fighting at in this book so it com- it all comes from this yeah it does i mean i i have a theory right that the the writers of the tv stuff not feloni not counting because feloni is his own level of nerd but the rest of them especially with the movies when they look at okay what we need to look at what's happening in the canon at this time we need to figure out you know what we need to, we need to build off what the books they read the journey of the force awakens and they stop <laughs> because everything even now the things that are coming out all reference aftermath shattered empire and nothing else yeah you know um so i'm like this little publishing initiative while it was probably negatively received when it first came out has proven to be super important yeah yeah um no i agree i think this is a great post episode six story i think we probably learn more from this than we even do from the first aftermath book i'd say oh yeah first which one definitely which obviously both came out around about the same time um we obviously see um, <clears throat> the, the, the minutes directly preceding the Death Star blowing up, um, particularly through Shara Bay's eyes, but we see the rebellion on Endor going for an extra quick little mission uh, the day after episode six ends, basically, just to clear out some more Imperials. We see them go to Naboo, um, Leia go to Naboo to try and negotiate with the, the Queen of Naboo. We see Luke on his first sort of recovering Jedi artifact quest. Um, So it's just like really important. I almost see it as like four issues that are sort of like slices of post episode six life. Yeah. Through through the eyes of mostly Shara Bay, but also Kez Dameron. Um, Yeah, pretty much just Shara Bay. The um, original trilogy characters like Han, Leia, Chewie, Luke all pop in and out, but really it's sort of, them seeing a few weeks of what happens after after episode six i think it's a really effective just view into that era yeah i mean not only that there's there's moments from this series that uh iconic now like i said the um the leia queen and shara bay taking on the in the star destroyer People talk about that still. People remember that scene. Um, Operation Cinder, the messenger, all of that people remember. But there's also that other that other layer moment, which is kind of huge when you think about it. When she enters the Naboo hangar. Oh, yes. Yeah. So for context, there's this moment where... So Leia's gone to Naboo and she's trying to negotiate... Um, Naboo's sort of entry into the the New Republic, which obviously is a bit dicey because Palpatine came from Naboo, and that's very much a thing. So they're like, "Yeah, we'll join. We need to, re, you know, break, make up for the fact that we birthed Hitler." Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and while they're there, 
Empire attacks the boo with Operation Cinder. And so they're like, we don't have military, we don't have we don't have any ships. And the Queen's like, hmm, we do. And then they go in and they they unlock the Naboo hangar from episode one that has all the ships in it. And they said, no one's used this in 20 years. When Leia passes through that those doors, those very famous doors in episode one, she has a flash through the force of Maul. Yeah. And she so. senses the dark side moment and you see like and like what's are you okay and she's like yeah just i felt something it's only a small moment but for like it's fan service in the best way yeah and then there's that really beautiful panel with like Maul's sort of face like sort of seared into the wall yeah you, you can tell like because obviously it, that that moment because it was so <clears throat> impactful that has left an impression on the force in that yeah. space um, and I just found like the, the concept of that really cool. And for fans reading it, it's really cool. I'm not even a big prequel guy, but you can't deny how good Jewel of the Fates is. Yeah, that yeah. whole battle sequence, that whole mall entrance, it's perfect. And also all the sort of nuggets that I think publishing do really well, building up this idea that Leia was very, very strong with the Force. Yeah, and particularly in like a sort of emotive, sort yeah. of sensory sense, she was a very powerful. Sort I have of the theory that. If if Carrie Fisher hadn't sadly passed away, they'd have built everything around Leia. Well, because... I think I think that was the original plan for Rise of Skywalker was that it was meant to be sort of her film. Was you know, episode yeah. seven was Han's film, episode eight was Luke's film, and that was meant to be Leia's film. But yeah, I because think... it, it's quite clear that I mean, and you get this when you start reading the post Jedi publishing stuff. They really f- heavily focus on Leia, and it makes you realise that. Leia is the chosen one. Leia's the hero of the whole saga. Not Luke, not Anakin, it's Leia. Do you know what I mean? She's the one that's been fighting from birth. She's the one that starts the rebellion. She fights, she fights, she fights. Everyone thinks they're okay. She realizes not, so she starts the resistance. She's the hero of Star Wars. And I think it's because of works like this that that it lands. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, well, that kind of ties us into the next little speaking point. How do you feel specifically about the, the characters that they use in this book that they choose to use? And then the sort of connections that both those characters and the things they talk about make between other canon medias? Like, yeah, I mean, we've kind of spoke about that already, haven't we, a little bit. Um, do you mean like the legacy characters they choose to use. Well, both the legacy, but also, I mean, we haven't really talked about the fact we've got Shara Bay and Kez Dameron in this, who are Poe Dameron's parents. I mean, let, let, let's just talk about Shara Bay. Yeah. Shara Bay is an underrated character. So for people who don't know, Shara Bay and Kez Dameron are Poe Dameron's parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shara Bay was a hotshot pilot. She fought in the Battle of Endor. She fought in the Battle of Hoth. Um, Kez Dameron is a pathfinder, so he's one of Han Solo's kind of ground troops. Yep. Um, on Endor, and and they're you know they're a married couple, and they've always been a married couple. I don't think we've had a meeting scene of them, have we? No. And and Poe's already always been born. Has, yeah, Poe's. This is their first appearance, and Poe's a baby in this. Yeah, but you don't he's see a, him he's until away with his grandmother, isn't he? Whilst yeah, you see him in the, the last yeah. the last panel, I think, of issue four. So they go and plant the tree, don't they? Yeah, they house. go and plant the tree. Um, but Shara Bay is an awesome character. Like, one of the best canon characters, I think. And I feel like 
even though Saul has made a big effort to sort of bring Sharabay back, hugely underutilized mm -hmm. as a character. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would be absolutely fine with Soul's Star Wars series just being focused on Shara I, I've always said it should be. <laughs> I think, like, I mean, if everyone talks about like Star Wars by Soul, and they talk about the Luke Alzarman issue being like the issue, but the arc with Shara Bay when she gets stranded on the storm, well, on the Death on the Star Destroyer, is the best because yeah, that really character is so yeah. good. Yeah, her and, um, her and Kez Damon's relationship is so compelling and I think gives so much context to, to, to Poe because when, once you see what his parents are like and see the sort of people that his parents were, the rebels, the strong fighters that they were, everything about Poe makes sense because yeah. he, he, is his, he is his parents, particularly yeah. his, his mum. Like, he is so much his mum. You know, the more you see of, of Shara Bay, the more you realise he is... He is his mum. Yeah. He's, he's, you can tell he's grown up in the shadow of Shara Bay. Yeah. Because Shara Bay is a humble character. She's not arrogant. She's not, you know, but she is fucking awesome. Yeah. And obviously, Poe Dameron's grown up having to sort of live in that shadow. So he has to project confidence and arrogance and all that to stand out. So it does make sense why Poe is like who he is. Um, and it also explains why he's like gorgeous because they are. <laughs> yeah, Shara Bay, I'd say, is arguably the best looking comic character <laughs> going, right? Which explains why Oscar, Oscar Isaac's a hot man. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a he's daddy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and like obviously you mentioned it there, but like the legacy characters as well. Um, you know, Han sort of features quite heavily in the first issue, Leia in sort of the second and third, and Luke in the fourth. How do you think that these sort of legacy tie-ins work? Because obviously we've got a lot of like Han, Luke, Leia content around this era, from Princess and the Scoundrel to you know Luke in the Battlefront campaign and, mm -hmm. and Han in Aftermath. Aftermath as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, how do you think this sort of ties in and connects? So, if you look at this just for what it is for this comic, it works well. Like, I like this kind of idea. It, it mirrors the sequel trilogy, doesn't it? Like, the idea of you're focusing on new characters, but then you'll focus on a different leg legacy character at a time to support the story you're trying to tell. And it works well. Like, Han is Han. He looks a bit prettier than he normally does. He's got a bit of an anime feel to him and how he looks, but yeah. he's still Han Solo, and it's cool to see him being a general because you never get to see this. There's a moment in this as well, actually, where I was reading it, and I was like, oh, Han Solo's a general. And I was like, Lando's a general as well because Lando's yeah. in this, featured in this. Um who I always feel bad that we never mentioned him as a legacy character. Why is it? Why is it the big three? Why isn't it big four? Racism. Anyway, big, big five. Chewbacca. Yeah, Chewbacca's like <laughs> didn't really do much. No, he's part um, of my big five. Big five. Yeah. Um, the big seven, if you include the droids. Um, big six. We don't care about Freepia. <laughs> no, we don't care about Freepia. <laughs> um, it made me realize like. You've got these people like Shara Bay and Kez Dameron who are working every day and they're like captains, they're, they're privates, they're grunts. And then Lando betrays someone, swaggers in, he's a general. How's that work? <laughs> I mean, Charles Soule's kind of starting to explain that for us now in um, 
in the comics. But yeah, yeah, Lando's swaggered into a pretty high role, isn't it? Yeah, but in in this comic, you actually get to see them in those roles a little bit, and yeah. it's quite it's quite good actually. Um, Lando has an awesome moment in this series where he kind of saves the day. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, in the kind of like the let's you click a let's blow this thing and go home in the that kind of moment. Which ties um, nicely into Battlefront 2 as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes I... me wonder, like, because this came out in 2015, right? And Battlefront 2 came out in 2016? 17, I think. Oh, 17. so yeah. So this would have been out and they would have just used it. Because I wonder if they, like, co-developed it because obviously games take a few years, don't they? Yeah, I, th- I think it must have just... They just yeah, used this. Story group would have been sort of working all of this stuff together. Um, yeah. Sort of from the get-go. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like the way they use the legacy characters in this. Um, and the sort of the connections I really like, like, obviously this is Greg Rucker who wrote Smuggler's Run. So you get in issue four when Luke and Shara Bay head off to this Imperial base. Shara I, didn't, Bay is, I didn't even make that connection, you know. She's in disguise as Alicia Beck, who's the Imperial from um, Smuggler's Run, but also, she's also in Princess and Scoundrel. Um, and that's a nice little connection. That plays really well. Um the fact that, like, this is really neat, and I, I don't... They obviously never planned this, because, you know, this came out in 2015, and Princess and the Scoundrel came out in, what was it, 2021, 20, But Leia doesn't enter the story until 20 days after the Battle of Endor. So timeline-wise, there's room for them to go have their honeymoon. So it all checks out in my mind. Because they go away in the honeymoon for, what, a week? And then they're back to business. Yeah, and the Alicia Beck thing as well it's Shara and Luke who are not involved in Princess and Scoundrel. Exactly. So they wouldn't have just encountered her and been, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing, even though these uh, people have sort of joke about how canon doesn't really line up and you have to squint sometimes to make it work. But I think this one actually connects really nicely to everything that's come after of it. Without... I beg to differ. Oh, okay, here we go. So it does, it does, but there's a small part of me that got annoyed when Saul started using these characters in his Star Wars run, because it's quite clear from reading this comic series, this is the first time Shara Bay and Kendak Kazdamon have met the big three, right? But the, it's not the first time. If, if you're going by canon continuity, they've known them since Hoth. Yeah. But obviously, because this was published first, when Saul just chose to overlook that fact. I mean, to be fair, no, it, it kind of works with Han and Leia. It doesn't work with Luke. Leia, it kind of works. <clears throat> yeah. um, because you could just say the way they're speaking to each other is just rank formality. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work with Luke, though. It doesn't work with Luke. Because Luke's, like, clearly meeting Shara Bay for the first time in this but he's obviously has already met her in the pre in the other series and we're 100 percent confident they've definitely met in charles child souls star wars i mean i know luke does do his own thing in that series so yeah. maybe not but I'm... is this like a grievous clone wars thing where like in your head you're like wait they met but then you actually go through it all and they never actually met that is a good point I reckon have... they they must have been in the scene together. But then again, I suppose that would be the kind of thing that Charles Soule would do, though. That he would be so intricate to detail, he would make sure they were never in the same. Path. I think for it for it to not work, they have to have spoken to each other. Yeah. If they're in the same shot in the comic series and they don't speak, then they technically haven't met. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if if I've been I've 
met people before and I've been like, oh yeah, it's nice to meet you. But I know I've seen them around. I've been in the same room with them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. We're, so we're diverging right now. But... Basically, we need to completely reread Charles Vader's soul. Uh, Charles Vader? Charles Vader's soul. <laughs> Mate, get out of your head. <laughs> Charles Saul's Vader. Why am I even thinking about Vader? Because Charles you said Soul's the word Charles Saul's Vader about a billion times on this podcast. Have I been saying Charles Saul's Vader instead of Charles Saul's Star Wars? So, mm. Sorry, I always think about Charles Vader's. Charles Vader's soul. Oh, oh my god, I can't speak. God, your empire's <laughs> been shattered, mate. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, finally, sort of to wrap this up, is this a good journey to the Force Awakens tie-in? Yes. I mean, for the Force Awakens itself, probably not. I mean, you get to see a little bit of the state of the galaxy and the way that it moves after that, and you do get to meet one of the main character's parents. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's contained to literally 20 days after Return of the Jedi. And obviously, yeah, um, Force Awakens is 32 years after Return of the Jedi, so exactly. it can't really be that informative, can it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guess... it tells you that Poe Dameron's 32, 33. Yeah, and it, it tells you that Luke went off afterwards and looked for trees and stuff. But apart from that, it doesn't really do that much. But... Um, as its own story, and as a uh, a law dump for Star Wars as a whole, mm-hmm. it's 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 a good one. I mean, I think it follows the trend of the Journey to the Force Awakens line, which is that none of them really tied into the Force Awakens, but all of them were actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, they're mainly like the Force Journey to the Force Awakens line was just being like, you're not going to see much of the original trilogy characters, so we're going to give you them here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're definitely not going to see much of Luke. So here's so a Luke book. Luke stories. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah, to be honest, I think what the journey to, in retrospect, what the journey to The Force Awakens line did really well was just say, here's everything that you like really, really, I'm going to remind you everything that you really, really loved about the original trilogy in a load of books. Yeah. And now, now go watch the new films. And also it kind of pointed the direction as to where the galaxy was headed. So you could see the very first seeds. Yeah. So it wasn't such a big jump from what we saw in Jedi to what we saw in Force Awakens. You're like, how have we got here? You've got the seeds laid in these books yeah. as to how yeah. we got there. Um, yeah, and then this one does a good job of showing the whole, like, the stuff that Aftermath showed, which is, like, the war didn't end. Yeah, when they, exactly. When they, when they had fireworks on Endor. Which, obviously, happened. the Mandalorian and the Feloniverse has taken with and ran. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, this directly informs... The kind of revelations we're getting is more specifically the Mandalorian than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like it's going to be from now on as well. It's going to be important. Yeah. So overall thoughts, you like this one then, Chris? Yeah, it's a great one. Absolutely yeah. great. I mean, just as well, just to let you know if you're thinking of if you haven't got this and you're thinking of purchasing it, there's a couple of different versions you can get. So there's a t- standard trade paperback. Which collects the four issues, but it also collects some other weird things, Dan, doesn't it? What does it collect? Yeah, it also collects um, issue number one of the Princess Leia series that we talked about on the podcast a few weeks back. But it also collects issue number one of Star Wars from 1977 for some random reason. And issue one of Star Wars from 1977 is literally just a pretty much a shot-for-shot adaptation of the first like 10 minutes of A New Hope. I'm wondering... Um, 
did they release the the original Marvel Years Epic Collection Volume One around this time? And they were they pushing must, that. They must have done. They must have just been there. Because if you go to the back of this book, um, it's got some epic collections, and it's got the original Marvel adaptations like advertised at the back of the book. Yeah, yeah. They stole the original Marvel Years Omnibus Volume One. Oh, just to just to tease me because I, that's one book. of the only omnibuses I don't have, and it's very expensive. Yeah, well, that's why because it came out clearly in that like, twenty fifteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there is also a hard one. Of the, it's one of the very few miniseries that has a hardcover um, version, so you can get a hardcover version which collects the four issues. It's this beautiful kind of like super thin hardcover. So if you've got any of the novelization hardcovers or Captain Phasma or anything like that, then you know what it is. It's not. It's like a. It's like a thin cardboard. There's no slipcase. There's no slipcover or anything like that. Um, and this collects the four issues, but it also collects the Journey to the Force Awakens C-3PO single issue, um, which was just a one-shot single issue called C-3PO, and it was it's not collected anywhere else. It's just collected in the hardcover version of Shadow of the Empire. I mean, as we're not going to be talking about that, Dan, did you like C-3PO? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's scheduled on the podcast. Is it? Yeah. So basically, the story behind the C-3PO thing is it was originally a Journey to the Force Awakens thing, but it got delayed and it didn't come out until like March of 2016. So they just dropped the Journey to the Force Awakens banner because it came out after the Force Awakens. Oh, right. So we will be talking about it in... Wait, so uh, we've, we've, we've got a whole episode scheduled about one single issue comic. We have, yes. <laughs> That's going to be a fucking riot, isn't it? Yeah, a little like one minute episode. <laughs> it's good though. I like it. I really like it as well. So I'm quite looking forward to talking about it. Okay, there we go. So that's the episode. Um, and I should probably say what I think of it as well. Uh, yeah, I really like this one. It's actually surprised me rereading it today how much I like it. It's a really fun four issues. It's I think it's probably one of the better mini series. Um, that Marvel done. It's a good one. Some great artwork in there. Greg Rucker is always good. Greg Rucker is always good in terms of writing. Um, so there's no surprise that this one's good as well. Worth a read. Worth picking up. As much as I like this paperback, that hardcover that Chris has got sounds better because the C3PO comic is good as well. So pick that one up. Read it. Um, so yeah, that's us. Another another canon catch up in the bag. We're we're going to be moving into the post Force Awakens era. In a couple of weeks, which is exciting. Do you mean pre Force Awakens era? No, post Force Awakens era. No, because we've got to do. There's loads of books set before that. Like, oh no, yeah. as in, as in, yeah, no, we're not doing it chronologically, are we? That's Legends. I'm stupid. Yeah. A publishing order: the post Force Awakens era. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't even know my own show. Next next week on Can Catch Up, I think it'll be Morgan and you, Chris, talking about the Force Awakens novelization. Yes. Um I've got a little secret from Morgan as well that basically it's gonna we're gonna compare we've read the Force Awakens novelization, we also read the junior novelization, but I'm gonna secretly read the comic adaptation. Oh, okay, so you're gonna talk about all and three. I'm gonna of drop them. that on them and they're gonna be like, well, I haven't read that, and I'm like, mm, you suck. Chris has done his homework for once. Yeah, because <laughs> that's actually written by Chuck Wendig. That adaptation is. Who oh, is it? You know? Yeah. Oh, so, right. you know, aftermath guy. 
Uh, and then after Force Awakens novelization, I can't remember what's next thing. It's probably more comics. I think Lando's coming up at some point. Which ah, be the goat. Um, so lots of fun canon catch-up stuff to be coming up soon. Chris, where can yeah, people man. find you? You're actually posting nowadays, so All right. <laughs> it's worth finding you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, SW Book Collector. I mean, I was posted. It was just <laughs> like once every couple of weeks. Now I'm trying to go back to my usual sort of once every day, every couple of days. No, I'm kidding. Um, Chris still, still has the best Instagram. I'm still jealous of him. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, SW Book Collector, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Threads. We even started to put stuff on there now. Oof, you're threading. I'm threading the needle. Jeez. Um, me, Vader's Castle Library, Instagram, that's about it. Um, I haven't posted anything in months, so until today. So me taking the piss out of Chris is uh, completely hypocritical because I'm even worse than him when it comes to posting. Um, Not only that, right? But he bought some books that weren't Star Wars. Yeah, can you believe that? Um, okay, good. We're done. Great episode, Chris. As always, good chatting oh, to you. It's not for us to judge, but cheers. <laughs> good chatting, uh, So we'll be back soon. I think yeah. we've got I think we've got a full comic roundup coming up in a couple of days. Yes, we and it's been a while, so it's gonna be like full chaos. Full chaos, full shit boys. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Have a good life. May the force be with you. Have a good life. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>